Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep. Never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast presented by the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is an inside look into the training of eight of America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials next February in Atlanta. And in this episode, we catch up with Kellen Taylor, who just finished up with the US ATF Outdoor Championships, where she ran the 5K and the 10K. She actually got third in the 10K in a wonderful race, and the 5K was so exciting. Shelby Houlihan really put the pedal to the metal in the last 800 meters uh, and proved to be the strongest woman on that day. And boy, what a race that was, too. We also touch on the announcement of the New York City Marathon Elite Field. Kellen will be running there, so we talk a lot about that and her current training. So let's get right to it with my episode with Kellen Taylor. Hello, Kellen, and welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks. Happy to be back. Well, last time we spoke, it was uh, about two weeks before you headed out to the USA, USATF Outdoor Championships. So first of all, congratulations on the weekend. It was such an amazing event, not only the two, you know, the 5K and the 10K that you ran in, but just the entire weekend was was truly remarkable. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Um, Des Moines always does a great job of putting on the event. Um, I went there, I think, in 2013 or 14, uh, the last time that they had it there, and they did a great job as well. It was definitely a little steamier that year. Um, we got kind of lucky with the weather in regards to being Des Moines in the summer. But, um, yeah, they did a great job. It was a great event. So before we dive into your running and the events that you participated in, when you go to an event like this, just as you know, someone who participates in the sport, who's a fan of the sport, who knows a lot of the people in various races, do you try to you know keep abreast of what's happening over the course of the weekend and watch events either in person or remotely? Well, uh, you know, we tried to make it out to some of the some of the events. Um, you know, we had to be aware of uh, preparation for our races as well, so we weren't going to sit out in the you know. 80, 90 degree weather, watching races all day, um, like we were just spectating. We went out for a few key things that we really wanted to see. So some of the prelims, some of the finals, um, 800s, 1500s, those sort of things. So yeah, it, it was it was neat to be able to get out and see some of that, you know, some of those other as- athletes competing in their prime events. And for you, it was almost like you really you know, couldn't enjoy the weekend completely because you had you know event first day and then one of the last events in total. So your entire time there was either competing or getting ready to compete. Right. I'm kind of. I think I'm kind of a glutton for punishment in that sense because it seems like that's how it always happens when I do track. That was the same way at the trials as well. It was like everybody got done with the ten and they went out and had fun, and I was like, well. Okay, well, I'm just going to get ready for the 5,000 prelim here in a couple of days. You guys have a great time. And then the prelim <laughs> was a few days later, and the final was the very last day. So, you know, it is what it is. I enjoy it. Well, it's one of those things where there's not many times you can compare professional sports to amateur sports. But anyone who's ever competed in the 4 by 400 at a high school meet knows exactly that feeling of just, like, having that hanging over you the entire time. Absolutely. I remember many times in high school, just like waiting for the end of the meet. Cause I think the, we did three or what we do 3,200 in high school as well. And I recall that maybe being one of the later events, um, maybe right before the four by four. 
and you know everybody's already eating all their snacks and doing all their fun things and i'm like okay guys gonna go run a two mile that's exactly right because it was that was actually the order of events for rhode island as well that's where i ran because i remember like every once in a while if we felt like we we're gonna you know if we were a body short in the four by four you have like that, that quick little move like wait can we ask that person who just did the did the two mile to jump in is that too much Oh, you can. They did it to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that that dovetails nicely into the conversation about this weekend because talking about just being able to perform multiple events that are obviously very difficult, and you're putting your full effort into them, you know, over the course of this weekend. So, before we talk about, we'll start with the 10K since we'll just go chronologically. As you and Ben Rosario, your coach, were getting ready for the weekend. What were some of the um, goals that you two had for the weekend, either place-wise or time-wise, um, regarding these two events? You know, I think for us, it was more of a trying to put yourself in it and place high. Um, with Steph and I both doing fall marathons, doing worlds was never, I mean, it was, we probably would have done it, honestly, or I would have certainly. But, you know, I think it was more about competing and just knowing that you can run up there with other women that maybe have better credentials than yourself. Um, good preparation leading into the Olympic year next year uh, with people that you're going to be competing against. You know, Molly and Emily both are going to run the marathon and maybe we'll do track as well. So that was kind of the, the primary focus. And did you, you know, basically view Emily and Molly as the two people to beat in the 10K before it started? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> if you look at the list, they are they were clear front runners, you know, they both ran under 31 minutes this year. Molly's run, you know, close to sub 30 minutes, which is insane. So they are kind of light years ahead of everybody else's PR. Um, so I think it'd be silly to not go into it and think that. And when you're thinking about strategy for the race, was there ever um, the inclination for you and Steph to work together to, 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 you know, to try to catapult both of you in either the rate, the 5k or the 10k, depending on how the race played out? You know, we discussed it and the 10, I think that we kind of went in, um, not really expecting what we got. Um, I think we expected that Molly was just kind of going to kind of do Molly and just go and, you know, hammer pretty much the whole thing, but she didn't, they didn't really do that. Uh, you know, the first 800 of the race was, so slow. I mean, I think we ran 250, um, which is a lot slower than what we should have been running. So, I mean, you know, we discussed like sharing a little bit if we want, if we needed to, but we just didn't think that that was going to be something that we needed to do. And really it was more so the 5k than the 10. Um, Steph was maybe going to just go out and hammer the 5k and try and like break up the pack a little bit. And, you know, try and help me be able to come home, hopefully wrap it up and come home. But that's not really how that one worked either. So, you know, sometimes you can say things and have plans set in place that they don't always happen. Right. And that the elephant, you know, kind of the elephant in the room or the thing, you know, kind of like, I guess a better way of putting it is just like the thing, like over the top of the 10 K was just the world standard time, which is 3150. If you assumed that, you know, Emily and or Molly were going to kind of lead from the front, did you even consider that, hey, if I run top three, top four, that 31.50 uh, would even be an issue? I mean, I thought that it could have went either way. I mean, I think that I maybe assumed um, 
that, yeah, top three was probably going to be that fast just because Emily and Molly were in it. But again, that's not what happened. Uh, could we have ran that right. on that? Absolutely. You know, I think that was pretty evident by our closing sec- our second 5K. Um, I think our first one was 1638 and our second 5K, or at least my second 5K was 1524. Um, so was there, was there more run in the legs? Absolutely. Could we have made it up in the first 800? Absolutely. <laughs> but we didn't, you know, it kind of is what it is. And I was happy to be able to walk away, um, knowing that I competed as best as I could. Yeah. You, you, you all were killing it the, the last 5k, especially, uh, the last mile. And with that being said, like you mentioned, the first 800 was pretty slow. We'll just kind of dive into the, the race itself. And then after that, Elena Tapp, actually, who's up in my neck of the woods, up in the, the Boston area, then took over the, the, the lead for a long time. And as kind of you guys were progressing, it was a pretty steady pace through, you know, those those middle miles. And how, what was your mental thought process during that time? Like, how, what were you thinking about, not only in terms of how fast people were going, but trying to keep an eye on the people around you because you were also pretty tightly bunched? Right. Um, you know, for me, I wasn't really thinking about the pace, to be honest. Um, so I guess you can call that a little bit stupid if you're trying to actually run the world standard. But for me, it was about just like getting excited about getting to the last mile or last mile and a half, because that's when Ben gave me permission to go if I wanted to go. Um, and I mean, that kind of happened. It didn't happen like, you know, like a, a switch because our last 5k was just so fast to begin with. But that's kind of what I was looking forward to and thinking about was just keeping it steady, um, hanging in there, just looking at the person in front of me, making sure I'm, you know, where I'm supposed to be in regards to not being boxed in, not too far off the pack or like too far behind. And then getting to that last mile, because that's when the fun starts. That's when it gets exciting, kind of thinking like of it um, more in a workout mentality than necessarily a race mentality. Um might be kind of weird, but I think that I perform best when I kind of treat it like a workout. Um, and in workouts, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get to that last bit where Ben's like, okay, you can go now. And I just get to go and like do my thing. I don't have to worry about how fast I'm going. I just get to go. So that's where I was at. So when Emily took the lead and ratcheted up the pace, when she first did that, and obviously the, 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 the race sped up considerably, were you content with the pace that she was running or did you have visions of maybe you know taking the lead as well to ramp it up even higher or to put yourself in the position where you're setting the tone um i was content i guess uh could i have probably went a little bit faster yes but then again i was thinking back in my head about getting to that mile and being able to go and i didn't want to go too early and ruin my chances of having a good pick at the end so I was I was pretty content with where we were at when we picked up the pace. Um, I think it would have been nice if we maybe would have done it a little bit earlier. And obviously that falls on me as much as it does anybody else. Um, but when we picked it up, we were going a pretty a pretty good clip. Yeah, that's for sure. And and when you think about say the last, you know, two or three laps of that race, you know, right before Molly took the lead and really put the hammer down, what were you thinking about? in terms of trying to put yourself in the best position to beat them? Like, were you thinking like, all right, I need to go at a certain, a certain way out or 
you know, they might have a better, you know, finishing speed. How did you weigh your, your strengths versus their strengths? Uh, we actually did discuss this before the race. Um, and then, Ben was like, you know, you can probably close with just about any of them. I mean, I do have a fairly decent mile PR, um, that I just did last year. And, you know, I've been doing some pretty, I had been doing some pretty fast things in workouts. So, you know, it's kind of, I think that on a good day, yeah, I could probably do that. Um, Ben did critique the race afterwards though and said that my placement, the only one critique he gave me was my placement when Molly took off was not great. He said that if I had been in front of Emily, then maybe I would have went with Molly for a bit instead of kind of falling off of her. So. When you think about, you know, race tactics and being sure you're in front of certain people on the track and, and all of that, how much of that is a learned skill versus something you can just kind of pick up on the fly? Because especially as you continue to do these road races, those are not necessarily things that you have to worry about when you're running, you know, they say the New York City Marathon, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit later, right? You you don't have to worry too much about comparative track where you are in the group or how you know in, in being boxed in and things like that. So as you've progressed in your career and maybe done a little bit less focus on the track, how much of that sort of thing um, either weighs on you or you feel like you need to like brush up on before a race like that? Uh, well, you know, I mean, the five and the ten are kind of long enough to where I feel like it's not as big of an issue. I think when you get down to the 1500, the 800 placement is huge because you just don't have that much time to make up for a mistake. Maybe Uh, the five and 10, I feel like, you know, if you make a mistake, you've got time, you can drop back a little bit, swing out, swing to the outside and get into a good, good placement. Um, You know, kind of funny because, I thought my placement in both of both the 10K and the 5K was pretty terrible, um, at least early on. The 10K started, I was, <laughs> I think I was like one of the last runners. And I was like, how did that even happen? Because um, I usually get off the line pretty well. I was like, I didn't fall or anything, but I was at the very back of the pack. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's not much you can do. I rewatched the race and it was kind of like everybody cut in so quick that there really wasn't even anything that I could do. So just stayed calm and went around the corner and, you know, before 200 meters, I was already, I positioned, I swung outside and positioned myself up, you know, in the first six to eight people. Um, So I think it's just a part of it's just staying calm and knowing that there's time to make up for maybe a mistake or a bad placement, but going into the end of a race, I think, yeah, you obviously want to be in as good of a placement as you can. You didn't want to do the Mo Farah and just stay in the say in last place for like, you know, two or three miles. That's so nerve wracking. I, I would hate that. I hate being <laughs> in the back of anything. I love running out front, but I get yelled at for doing it. So no, that's not, not my speed. There you go. All right. So when Molly broke away, like, and you just mentioned this, uh, that you were, you were behind Emily at the time, Molly broke away. And her finish was unbelievable. I mean, she really, really did a wonderful job. And obviously, everyone was running as hard as they could at that point. And she, you know, put distance on you, Emily, and Steph. When that happened, like, how good were you feeling? Did you feel like you had, like, that you had your your full gas at that point, or it was just a testament to how strong Molly was, or did you feel like you just didn't quite have it? Um, I felt pretty good. I think that kind of like I said that once she kind of had that little bit of a gap that it's really hard to kind of try and chase somebody down when they're already going max speed and you're kind of going as fast as you think you can go. Um, so, 
you know, I mean, I don't know. Could I have latched on? I'm not 100% sure. I would like to say yes, but I'm not sure if I could have, um, if I had been right behind her. Um, hopefully for at least, you know, a lap or a lap and a half of it. But, you know, I think, I think I did what I could and, you know, it, it was okay. It wasn't the best race of my life, but it was, it was pretty good. And I was, I was pleased with how I closed. Um, I think that my last lap was my fastest lap by a small margin, but, and that's always, that's always nice. Yeah. Came in third. Obviously you, you and Emily finished very close to one another behind Molly as well with Steph coming up right after you two. When you have a race like that and you know you got the 5K on tap in a couple of days, what is recovery like during that first 36 hours after a race? Not only in terms of what you would ideally like to do, but what you're actually able to do in those circumstances, you know, away from home, in a hotel, so on and so forth. Sure. Um, well, the day after the race, we actually had a day off. Um, I didn't want to take a full day off. I just think that my body recovers faster when I do a little bit of something. So we jogged for, I think, 15 minutes, nothing too crazy. Just get something, try and get some of that lactic acid out of your legs and body. And I don't know, have them not, hopefully not get, um, too tight or sore from the race. Um, with the 10 K and spikes, you never know how your body's going to respond. So, uh, came off of it pretty good. Didn't really, my calves were a little bit sore, but everything else felt pretty good. Um, and then that next day, we also got some work done, had some physio and massage by the people that were volunteering at in Des Moines, um, and then just kind of tried to relax a little bit. We had a couple of days, so relax as much as we could and kind of put our feet up and try not to go crazy doing nothing. So for you, what does relaxation mean with like how you're spending your day? So you obviously, like you just said, your, your feet are up, you're trying to relax. But what does that mean? Like, what are you putting your mind on in order to, you know, so to relax, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally? It's the worst. I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. What did I do a lot of in Des Moines? I did some puzzles. Um, you know, I just, I try not to think about running. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not the type of runner that thinks about running that much outside of actually doing it. So I was doing puzzles, uh, went to Target about 20 times. Um, foods you know just going to a few different places nothing too crazy though um watch some shows read some books or a book and yeah that was about it all right what what's on the kellen taylor netflix list like what when you're putting on these shows what are you watching i like a lot of true crime stuff i true crime and then i like i like to watch um documentaries about like drugs kind of weird stuff i guess but no for sure well i I mean those can be so engrossing as well so like especially if you're trying to like relax and not think about running if you get something that's pretty suspenseful that can definitely suck you in that's for sure so the morning of the 5k so sunday when you woke up and then you're you progressed through the day so the the 5k was in the afternoon what does what does that day look like for you from a prep and um if you're still recovering standpoint um I mean, it's just a really low key day. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, we did a shakeout of about 10 minutes in the morning, late morning, uh, I think around 11. Uh, I had some lunch around 1231 o'clock and then just kind of relaxed. Really didn't do a whole lot at all. Um, went to the track, I think, hour and a half, two hours before the race and got ready for the big show.
So what does that what does that entail in terms of like getting ready so you're ready to run uh, on the starting line? Like what what's your what's your pre race routine for you know warm up miles and stretching and things like that? Yeah, I think we ran two two miles uh, for a warm up. Kind of we shortened it a little bit just because it was warm. I mean, it was Sunday afternoon in Des Moines, so it was 85 degrees or something like that. Um, so it was pretty toasty out. Body was already pretty warm. Um, and then did a couple of drills and strides and that was really it. Uh, we did actually have, we had some cold cloths that we put on us because it was hot and humid, uh, just to try and keep our body temperature as cool as possible, uh, before the race. So some people do that with ice, ice vests. I'm not that fancy. I just had a washcloth, dipped nice water <laughs> and it worked fine. I didn't feel super hot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, pr- I'm pretty simple. I don't have anything quirky or weird or super complex. Well, I'll tell you what, this is, it obviously is working for you, first of all. And then the 5k was almost like a miniature version of the 10k a little bit, not, not exactly, but you know, basically everyone was coming in. If you look at the splits, you know, up until the last 800 meters, kind of everyone was right there from a time perspective. And when you're going through that, did you have a similar feeling during that race as you did with the 10K in terms of, hey, I'll just, just I'm just going to stick here and see what I got at the end? Or did you have a different mindset? No, that was that was kind of the same mindset for sure. Um, the 5K was definitely a different experience though. Uh, like you said, it was very tightly packed, which was absolutely true. It was probably the most tightly packed race that I've ever been in on the track because I just felt like people were on top of me. I was like, (laughs) I don't know. I had to throw a couple of elbows because people were going where they shouldn't have went. And like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like I raced pretty, I don't fair. I'm not a dirty racer or I wouldn't call myself one, but I think you still have to maintain your placement you know, you have your space and if somebody's cutting in on your space, then you kind of have to be like, Hey, this is my space. Find, find a new space. (laughs) Um, so there was definitely a lot of that. And I kind of heard that from everybody that ran the race. It was just, there were a lot of people. Um, but yeah, the goal of the race was to kind of get to the end and hope that there was something left in my legs. Um, and that really wasn't the case. I got to the end and I was like, Nope, there's nothing left here. So we're just going to try and get to the line. so it, it it was different, but it was still fun. So how early in, you know, with, say with 800 to go or so, you know, Shelby Houlihan drops a 212 in that last 800. How, how quickly after you, you had, you know, crossed the line there, were you thinking, okay, like I don't have it today versus like, all right, no, I just got to fight through it. And maybe it's there. No, I realized pretty quickly. I mean, when that pack, pack took off, I think I hung with them for like a little bit after they broke away. And then, I mean, they were gone. There was no way that I was going to run what they were running. My legs just weren't moving. Um, so, you know, just do what you can on, on the day. Um, and I think, I think that I did that. Um, I think I maybe conceded a little bit that final 200, but you know, it was, it was, it was something. <laughs> so, and you're, you mentioned before you you like being a front runner and you're also extremely competitive. So in that kind of situation, which for you doesn't, must not happen very often. When you see, you know, that, that group goes out, you can't follow them. Are you able to still run your best possible time? Or is it a little bit just, you know, disheartening to kind of see the group go and know that they're not coming back? I think for me, it was definitely disheartening, um, which is not the mentality that you want to have uh, that final. But 
going into the five, I think for me, it was, you know, about trying to place myself in the top four or five, um, just depending on who is going to take which spot for the world team. Um, trying to get on the world team, I guess, was, was the, the goal. So once I realized that that clearly wasn't going to happen, it was kind of hard to wrap my head around the race and continue to try and push as hard as I could. Not to say that there was a whole lot of run left in my legs when I crossed the line. I think they were kind of doing what they could do. Um, but, you know, had I been in a fight for top three going into the last lap, I think I probably could have find, found a, an extra gear. I think there's always an extra gear. You just have to kick into it. Right. And oftentimes having that competitive situation is it's easier to access that gear as opposed to make it personally, you know, just, just completely just a mental game within yourself. Absolutely. All right. So after you had, you know, a few days to recover from the weekend and, you know, debriefed with Ben and watched the tapes and had, you know, that full, um, you know, be able to look at the, the weekend with hindsight, what was your overall takeaway from the weekend? And not only with how you competed, but with your fitness level and how you prepared uh, to give it your all. I, I was really pleased with it. Um, you know, I think the 10 was definitely the, the shining light on the weekend as opposed to the five, which is kind of what we expected anyways. The five was kind of just fun. Um, I really enjoy the 5,000. So that's kind of why we did it. I think I had hoped to place better, but you know, the 10 was, the 10 was really good. Um, that, was pretty much, I think, what we had been working working towards uh, for in our workouts. We had been working a lot on gear change in the middle of our workouts. So going into, you know, maybe doing a tempo and closing our last mile much faster than the other miles beforehand. Um, and that's exactly how the race ended up. So it was nice to be able to access that training that we had done um, leading up to the race. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it was definitely a positive experience. I was I was pleased with it, and it was nice to be able to get back on the track and kind of have a mini season because I hadn't had one really since the trials. Um, know that I still kind of have have it, quote unquote, and uh, can kind of still compete up in some of those events, um, especially leading into 2020. I hope to be on the track uh, in Eugene and running some of that stuff, uh, hopefully just for fun, but. You know. Well, hey, we, we, then we can have you on for the whole year, Kellen. We get the road to the Olympic trials, not just for the marathon, but for the track events, too. Um, no, but that, that's exciting because you have, you know, you, you have competed in, in those races so well for such a long time. And getting top three, especially right there with Emily and Molly, you know, who's, as you mentioned, like we're the, the clear front runners going into that race is a huge deal. I can see why you are definitely happy with how the weekend shook out. And here we are three days ago. We had the announcement out three days ago, a couple of days ago. We had the announcement of the New York City Marathon Elite Field. So when did you decide that that was going to be the marathon for you in the fall? Pretty quickly. Um, I don't even know when I decided it was it had to. I think it was before Prague even. Um, it was kind of it was in my sights for a pretty long time. I really enjoyed it when I did it in 2017. Um, to date, it was probably the most fun marathon that I've ever done. Uh, not the easiest, but the most fun, which says something about it, you know, so I was really looking forward to being able to do it again. I didn't think that it was going to be necessarily before the trials, uh, but it just kind of worked out that way. You know, having ran a fast marathon with grandmas and even Prague, it kind of knocked that out. 
Um, that was one of my goals going into the trials was to just have a fast time, um, knowing that I could run, you know, what these other ladies are running. And um, so then it kind of opened it up for me in the fall to do something that I really wanted to do and really enjoyed. And New York was definitely it for me. Uh, they always bring a fantastic field. Um, the course is difficult, but I think kind of right up my alley. And it's just, it's a, it's a really great marathon. So when you say that it's difficult, but right up your alley, what about the course itself suits it, you know, suits it to your strengths? Well, it's not a pancake, you know, it's not just a time trial to see who can get from A to B. Um, I mean, you are going A to B, but, you know, there's hills, there's bridges, there's other elements that are thrown into the race where, you know, maybe a 217 marathon or is they're not going to run 217 at New York. You know, they're just not. So you know, I think it kind of evens the playing field a little bit. Um, not to say that they're still not going to run incredibly fast, but I think that it kind of puts me more on par with some of those ladies that have um, incredible PRs. And boy, what a field it is, too. I mean, it, it, what was it was amazing to see on the men's and the women's side, the field for New York. So when you saw everyone who's going to be in the race, what were some of your initial impressions? I mean, I wasn't surprised, you know, they always bring such a good field. Um, you know, I figured that Mary Cataney was going to do it. Um, I knew that Des was going to do it. Um, I was surprised to see Roberta on, Roberta on there. That was kind of neat to see because she's doing worlds as well. Um, so she was a surprise, but neat to see her on there kind of being hometown area. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, just a, a really great group of ladies that hopefully I'm be able to, uh, be up front and contend with. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. So you have about three months or so until, uh, until that race. So with that in mind, what was it like, you say the week or so after worlds, like how quickly did you get right back into the training, uh, to build on the fitness that you've already created versus, you know, having a little bit of a recovery period from such a, you know, a, a tough weekend. Sure. Um, after USA's we did, we had two weeks, so I'm finishing the second week right now of kind of like our downtime. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not running. I've been running. Um, I think I took two full days off after the 5K and then have been running a little. I've been running a little bit here and there pretty much every every day since. Um, and that's not I'm not running a lot. You know, I'm running four to six miles, really, um, most days. And then here starting next week i'll kind of ramp up the training a little bit try and get some base mileage in and then really look forward to the core like eight weeks of training where we really hit the marathon specific training um so your long steady states um marathon effort the workouts that really are just kind of a marathon in them in themselves you know 30 by a quarter um pretty much when running becomes my life <laughs> all right and you know, you had visions of, of hoping to go to Worlds, um, like we just talked about. With that in mind, do you, you know, look for a race to put on the calendar uh, at some point in the fall leading up to New York? Or is it uh, New York is just the next thing uh, on the list? I'm going to do a half marathon. Um, but that's really, that's the only thing. I think that we do best when we kind of just focus on our training, hunker down, and um, just prepare for the race. And I think sometimes... Um, doing a race inside of the segment is really good and it can simulate the workout that you were going to do anyways. 
pretty well, but sometimes it's a lot more taxing on your body than maybe a workout would have been. And usually I think that's because of travel and, you know, just kind of the disruption in your schedule. Um, so yeah, I'll do a half marathon. Uh, I think, I think sometime in October, um, late September, October, and then just get ready for, for the big show. Can you say what it is? You have to keep that under your hat for now. I'm not sure if I can say, so I'm not going to. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, all right, last thing. So, uh, before New York, will you head up to uh, to check out the course at all, or do, are you familiar enough with it because you ran it two years ago? Um, I don't think. All right, as you just heard, we got cut off there right at the end. But with that being said, that was the last question. And as you heard, Kellen will not be uh, going to New York prior to the New York City Marathon, which really isn't that big of a deal since she's run the race in the past. So thank you, Kellen, for jumping on the show. As always, thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing the show, and sharing it with your friends. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I really, really do. Also, if you like this podcast, make sure you're checking out our other podcast, the Rambling Runner podcast, where I talk to dedicated and inspirational amateur runners of all abilities, some people who have an OTQ time and some people who are far from it, but doing amazing things nonetheless. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.